Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. It's, uh, it's hot. It's hot today in LA. Yeah. And I had a chocolate malt, so I'm like really stuffed. I'm jealous. I love Shake Shack. That's it's so like, good. It's so good. I was so happy when they came to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So highly recommend. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So let's start out the show by thanking our lovely patrons for this week. If you guys would like to become a patron, you can go donate over on patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We have a ton of bonus content over there. So if you've caught up on all of our main episodes, you can head over to Patreon and get hours and hours and hours and hours of additional content, including additional hour-long podcasts not released to our main show. Yeah, it's worth it. Some people say it's worth it. (laughs) I've heard that. Okay, so this week we had Sam, Carla, Victoria, Jamie, Sean, Lexi, Gail, Maida, Ashley, Amanda, Vanessa, Laura, Kelly, Jenny, Sam, Caitlin, Catherine, and that's it. I just remembered what I was trying to remember. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, and that was that um, Victoria wanted to be called Vicky. Vicky. <laughs> so I love Vicky, the name Vicky. Vicky, you're getting an extra special yeah. shout out because I fucked up. So thank you, Vicky. Now she remembers. I, I was trying to remember before the show started. I was like, I knew I have something to remember about the Patreon. And she had sent us an email. She's like, yeah. So Vicky, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Desi. Now this is a subject that I've wanted to talk about for a while now. And what better time to talk about it on the upcoming 20-year anniversary. I cannot believe I'm saying that. It's been almost 20 years since this event happened. This is the first time I've truly felt old. Really? Yes. Is realizing that Woodstock 1999 happened almost 20 years ago. Wow. So we all know Woodstock 69, the OG Woodstock. I feel like that's like a pretty... It's a pretty famous concert that happened. And probably... Uh, we could do an episode on that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, obviously I'm not going to go in and like explain to all our listeners what Woodstock is. Cause I feel like that's you just, know. everyone knows what Woodstock is. It, the original concert, excuse me, festival took place August 15th through 18th in 1969 at a dairy farm in Bethel, New York. And it was, you know, promoted as three days of peace and music. Right. And I would say that, by all accounts, it was a success. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the most iconic events to ever happen in music history, at least in the 20th century. Absolutely. Okay. So to commemorate the 25th anniversary of Woodstock, another festival was held, this time in Saugerties, New York, on August 12th through 14th. And this was Woodstock 1994. Do you remember Woodstock 94? You know, I don't know that I remember that specific one. 
I think I was more like the Lollapalooza <laughs> type. Well, I mean, this was like a lot of the was same. Was it at Woodstock, the same location? No, it was in a different location okay. upstate uh, in Saugerties. And this concert, just some of the many, many bands that played included, this is very 1994, Nine Inch Nails, okay. The Cranberries, Green Day, salt and Peppa, and Blind Melon. Ooh, so, yeah. I mean, look, it probably was amazing yeah, that in terms good. of music. And Woodstock 94 was also really famous for how muddy it got. Oh, that was the muddy one. That was okay, the mud okay, one. Okay, I, I remember. Yeah, it's most remembered for being the mud festival. It rained that weekend, and everyone was just like tits out, covered in mud. There's like this iconic Green Day performance where they're playing and everyone in the crowd is just flinging mud at the stage and then they're hurling mud back at the crowd. That's my fucking nightmare. If I was there, I would have been in misery. (laughs) Being covered in mud? I would not have been happy, Rachel. Look, I worked at the Renaissance Fair as a teen and I was covered in mud a lot. Okay. So I feel like I could maybe handle it, but after, maybe not as like an adult. I have been to some large festival concert type things. Yeah. But that is not something I will ever do again. Like I will say with confidence, unless I'm in a VIP tent <laughs> with a very high end porta potty available to me, <laughs> refreshments and AC, all of that kind of stuff. I used to do like the festival thing when I was young, like a teenager, but now that shit just does not appeal to me. Me either. But also festivals have changed so much in the past 20 years. Like I mean, just like looking at the footage of Woodstock 99 in and of itself, it is like drastically different than what you see about like festivals today are completely, it's like, it's like half about the music, maybe 30% about the music and 70% about the Instagram pictures and about the outfits Yeah, and like celebrities attend them and it's a marketing opportunity. it's It's like... It's a totally different ballgame. No, when I was going to them, it was like the music. You were going yeah. to see certain bands. Absolutely. Yeah. And you wore shorts and a tank top. Right. You didn't wear like... You didn't take pictures. Wear something super, whatever. And tag, hashtag things. Yeah. Ha- <laughs> hashtag um, the Parker Hotel in Palm Springs. Right, right. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. But if Altamont was the day that the 60s died, Woodstock 99 may have been the weekend that the 90s died. Oh, I came up with that. Okay. I'm actually I probably didn't come up with that, but I thought I did when I was writing my notes. That's your Ken Burns yeah. twist. <laughs> <laughs> now the organizers of Woodstock '99 wanted to fix everything they thought was wrong with Woodstock '94's unruliness. For example, they would construct a large steel and plywood fence to keep people without tickets out of the concert. They're like, we don't want any gate crashers this year. There was a ton of gate crashers in '94. It was a free-for-all. We're constructing this peace wall. That's what they called it, which is like such a scary euphemism. Yeah. It's like, no. It's it's, it's 1984-esque. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's being guarded by cops. Like, right. cut the shit. Peace officers. <laughs> <laughs> they were like people called the peace patrollers at Woodstock oh, 99. Yeah. Um, and security forces would also be increased at Woodstock 99. Now, 500 New York State troopers guarded the festival. Oh, damn. Yeah. And the festival itself cost $38 million to produce, and tickets to the event cost $150. Over 200,000 festival goers would attend. Now, Desi, let's just talk about what kind of music was popular in 1999. Horrible. 
Okay. I was, <laughs> I, look, full disclosure, I was 13 years old in 1999, and a lot of these bands at the time I thought were really good, such as Corn. Um, and um, there was a couple Limp Biscuit songs I definitely listened to. This podcast is about rigorous honesty, so <laughs> I feel like our listeners deserve to know the truth. Um, now, these are some of the notable acts. At Woodstock 99, Corn, Limp Biscuit, The Offspring, Sheryl Crow, which was kind of a wild card. Yeah, that doesn't seem to fit. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, she got lost on her way to Lilith Fair. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, DMX, Red Hot Chili Peppers, okay. Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. Moby, our guy. <laughs> our guy was there. Insane Clown Posse, uh-huh. Kid Rock, oh, boy. Alanis Morissette. Huh? The Chemical Brothers, Jewel, and Elvis Costello was there. Oh, see, yeah. that, that's the only one I'm literally excited for. Yeah. <laughs> so um, to make this also even much more 1999, Vern Troyer was there, and he introduced several of the bands, including Limp Bizkit. Wow. I mean, look, in 1999, it was all about Vern Troyer. Everyone was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if yeah. we get this guy... He was a, that was the height of his fame. That was the height of his fame. He was in Austin Powers gold member. Wait, was it gold member? No, it wasn't no, gold member. It was, it was the um, spy who shagged sweet, yeah. me. I can't <laughs> believe I just pulled that out of my ass so quickly. The kind of rock music that was popular in 1999 was a genre called new metal. Now that's spelled N U, sometimes with an umlaut above the U. <laughs> Gross. Metal. And it's a it's a kind of music that Corn is said to have pioneered when they came out with their debut album in 1994. Some people would classify uh, Rage Against the Machine as pioneers of the sound, although Rage Against the Machine was a lot more political, uh, obviously in terms of their lyrics. So they're not always put into that category of this sort of like very testosterone heavy, angsty, teenage centric style of music. So new metal is like, it's, it's metal-ish music, like hard rock with hip-hop elements in it. And by hip-hop elements, I mean like there was like a DJ scratching in the background. Right. And I would say that new metal lasted, like that trend lasted. Debate me if you think I'm wrong, but I would say that it was at its height 1998 through 2001. And then I would say in 2002, it stopped and it became like all about garage rock at that point. Okay. So... Now, new metal is definitely regarded as one of the worst genres of music in recent memory, which I think is a fair thing to say. I mean, it's pretty... It's terrible. It's pretty... I I, I don't actually consider Rage Against the Machine to be new metal. Like, in my opinion. No, but I... I I don't really know the genre that well, but I would never have put them in the new metal. I'm just saying that some people who might listen to new metal might have also listened to Rage because it combines that, like, we're rapping over rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But what about, like, Linkin Park? Is that, like, a a older... Like, they came a little bit later? Linkin Park debut album came out in like 2000 or something and that was like when they broke. So they were kind of like the tail end of new metal. Right. And like... like, That's a genre of music, by the way, that I completely ignored. I don't have... I don't... You couldn't... I couldn't pick a song. Like I would know... I think maybe I know Nookie, like that one. And I probably know a Kid Rock song or two. Oh, Kid Rock definitely Just because he was definitely more popular. Like... Like he had hits, whereas a lot of them I don't think really had hits. I was not into Linkin Park. I did not like Linkin Park. I just don't know. I know the sound of new metal, and I don't like it. 
That's so I fair. never I never explored that genre. I <laughs> I was not a big fan of new metal, but I did, like I said earlier, full disclosure, there were some corn songs I definitely liked, and right. there were a couple Limp Biscuit songs I liked. Well, you're just enough younger than me that it would have been like what you had listening in yeah. high school. I just wasn't that young when that right. was out already, so I was already past right. where I would be listening to popular things. I had what I liked already. Yeah. And I liked a lot of older stuff or certain bands that were around for a while. And like I at the time, like in nineteen eighty nine, I had a really big crush on the drummer in corn. Like yeah. I had his pictures on my wall. Like for I I remember distinctly specifically with corn thinking these guys are posers. Like I like I like really hard stuff. Like these guys are posers to me. Like that was where I was at with corn. Yeah, and it could be an unfair assessment, but that was. But it, do you I, know what I mean? Like, look, it was just like, like come new, on, new metal is always the butt of the joke, and I sig- I highly suggest like. It was the Israel Keys episode of last podcast. On oh, the left. right. They were talking about that. They spend like the first 15 minutes of that episode talking about new metal. And those guys do a way better job of explaining it than I ever could. I was literally on my kitchen floor laughing my ass off right. when they were talking about how like the new metal like bassist like would always tilt his head and like stare into the camera and his like white boy dreads. Would well, be- they were all super into new metal. So those guys, y- yeah, the last podcast guys. I mean, I'm sure. So they all knew. Like, even if you liked it more than me, you still don't seem like you were a huge fan of it. No, I wasn't a huge fan of it. There were a few songs I liked from different (laughs) bands. That's my full disclosure, okay? Okay. Okay. Namely, I will say this. Oh, my God. So this is a coincidence. Um, I was telling Brendan that this past week, all I've been listening to to sort of get into the spirit is bands and songs from Woodstock 99. Oh, God. So I made a really amazing slash terrible playlist and that's all i've been listening to and i was telling brendan about this playlist i made and he was like oh my god that reminds me i heard this song last week come on and it was by method man but then fred durst came in and i said okay stop (laughs) because that is actually a good song i don't care if fred durst is on it if you're lie to me look in Together Now is a Method Man song. It doesn't matter that Fred Durst no, is also I on it. I love Method Man. Me too. So. He's my favorite. So anyway, thank you for uh, listening to my dissertation on new metal. Okay. And yes. You're welcome. Okay. But it is important to, to understand. Know. And that's the type of fan base we're going to be dealing with. Yes. Yeah. This is, we're not talking about Cheryl Crow fans. This is not the Lilith up. Fair. <laughs> this is not the Lilith Fair. Okay. So the festival began with a pre-show on Thursday, July 22nd, 1999, and would go on until Sunday, July 25th. The festival site itself was a radical departure from the previous two Woodstocks. Woodstock 99 was held 100 miles from the original Woodstock in Rome, New York, at the former Griffiths Air Force Base, which is this sprawling mass of concrete and tarmac and a total eyesore. Okay. So instead of being at a dairy farm, yeah, like the first Woodstock, it's at this military base. Ooh. So you so can, the vibe is already a little bit yeah, darker. It's that vibe. <laughs> this is a quote from a recent interview in Interview Magazine from 2019. This is a quote from Jeff Stark. He is a journalist at Salon who was at attendance at Woodstock. And this is what he said about the site that it was held at. The minute I walked onto the festival site, I realized that they were in trouble. You're walking onto a military base and an airstrip, so it had all the charm of a prison. 
and they were super concerned about people being able to break in because at the other Woodstocks, people just showed up and broke down the fences. So they basically made a temporary prison camp and they filled it with 200,000 people. Now, the lack of shade and the sun bouncing off the endless concrete would also prove highly detrimental to the festival's morale as the temperatures that weekend soared into the 90s. <sighs> Can you imagine? No, I'm already irritated. Sounds awful. There's <laughs> no awful. shade. There's no trees yeah. at this place. And it's concrete. Ugh. Imagine how awful your feet feel yeah, at the, the end of that day. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's just a bad idea. To make matters worse, the two main stages were a mile and a half apart from each other. Wow. Yeah. The festival was a pain in the ass to navigate. This is a quote from a concert goer from the Baltimore Sun in 1999. Tom King, age 25, said... It's crazy to watch people have mental collapses looking for their campsites. It's a logistical nightmare. Wow. So people were camping. This is obviously people are not doing the hotel thing like they do at Coachella. And there's no glamping. It's people just have their fucking camp set up in the designated campground area. And no one could ever find their fucking tent because everything looked the same. There were no trees as markers. Right. It was just endless concrete everywhere. Yeah, it sounds awful. Another departure from the original Woodstock was the corporate presence. The festival was littered with commercial vendors and was sponsored by big corporations. Now, because it was 1999, there were even stations set up for the purpose of accessing your email. I'm Ooh. sure they thought that was really a cute idea yeah. at the time. They're and like, you could just picture this on like... <laughs> 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 like all this new chemical brother song. Wow, exactly. He's fucking I'm gonna sample great. this. <laughs> like that is just like, oh, come to our cyber lounge. Yeah, like, cyber lounge, and it's so like it's like a, basically a squirrel on a fucking treadmill <laughs> powering thing. That's how slow it, the internet was. Someone's back then. downloading a picture of Cindy yeah. Margolis. Yeah. <laughs> they used all the bandwidth. You fucking asshole. Use your imagination to jerk off. <laughs> Water at the festival was $4 a bottle. Wow. With prices surging as the weekend went on to yeah. compete with the other vendors because yeah. it was a capitalist nightmare mm-hmm. at this concert. A slice of pizza was $12. And, and you know it was fucking gross pizza. Yeah, with like the little rabbit pellet sausage shit on it. Oh, oh. And the cheese was like rubber probably. Oh, fuck and like not even heated all the way yeah. through. I just know the exact kind of pizza. I know exactly pizza. what this pizza tasted like. Yeah. It's terrible. Right. Uh, burritos were $10. You know that shit was just a frozen microwave burrito. Yeah. It was just beans and cheese. If you were at Woodstock 99, I would like you to describe, write in and describe in detail what the food was like. Yeah. Because these are the things I need to know. You can just tell it's all, it's just the easiest, cheapest shit they can give right. people. And they're charging. And it's easy to mass produce, like mass right. make. Burgers were between 12 and $15 and people were not happy about it, obviously. Yeah. The free water fountains had really long lines and the water was all warm and it was all by the porta potty, so no one wanted to drink that water. Ugh. It was just the warm water, you can taste it. I can taste it. It tastes yeah. metallic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's too warm. It's warmer than your body temperature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by Saturday, over seven hundred people were treated for heat exha- exhaustion. Oh. Rob Sheffield for Rolling Stone wrote this in nineteen ninety nine. It takes fucking forever to walk from one stage to the other, a mile as the crow flies, an eternity as the rock and roller wades through the sewage. 
In between, you can find hemp nachos, henna tattoos, a $1,500 blown glass bong, (laughs) and a $30 Darth Maul bong. (laughs) Well, that's a bargain. (laughs) That, That is the bargain. There's also mud, due not to rain, but from water from the sinks and leakage from the toilets. Stop, hey, what's that sound? Smell that sewage on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Something shitting around here. (laughs) Thanks, Dustin. (laughs) Whatever's going down, it's not the bodily waste of the Woodstock Nation, which makes the air... Oh, it's not the bodily waste of the Woodstock Nation, which makes the air pungent and the mud toxic by Friday afternoon. You pick up mud everywhere, random hugs from strangers, the shove of the crowd, or the girl at the Saturday night rave who keeps falling asleep on your shoulder, even though we're standing up. Now, some people called this festival at the time tit stock or boob stock, and we will get into that right now. And this is pretty horrific, so just brace yourself. Now, a lot of the women at the festival walked around topless, which that is in and of itself not a bad thing. That's, right. that's fine. Just want to make that clear. There was a lot of boob flashing at the shows. Again, pretty common, standard, whatever. This is in and of itself is not problematic. However, many of the men in attendance took it upon themselves as this was a license to grab boobs of whoever walked by them without their consent. And this was like a very common report you see in all the journalists' uh, recollections of the concert, bands who were at the concert, uh, just random uh, news reports from the concert. It's like it all has this storyline that men were disgusting at this concert and grabbing women without their consent the it's whole hard weekend. to believe Kid Rock fans would treat women <laughs> with such disrespect. <laughs> this is another continuing quote from the Rob Sheffield article. Along the south wall, two dozen shirtless goons sit atop of a trailer. These are not cool guys. They point out girls in the pedestrian gantlet and chant, show us your tits. Goon accomplices on the ground find these girls and surround them. Other goons walking by join the huddle with their cameras. The goons on the trailer chant, pick her up, pick her up. Two short girls with backpacks are surrounded by a mob of about 60 guys. As the pick them up chant gets louder, the girls undo their bra tops, the cameras flash, and the trailer guys spot another target. The girls take this opportunity to slip away. I catch up with them and ask them whether the experience was scary. Yes, they say both in unison. There was no way out, the brunette tells me. It was either show them or you don't get out. There was no choice, the blonde said. So that is just like a typical snapshot of the kind of thing. Like men were literally surrounding women, picking them up because other women were showing their breasts, which is fine. But they were demanding that every woman show their breasts, even the ones who were just like, I'm minding my own fucking business. Leave me alone. And even the women who were showing their breasts, the guys were just grabbing them. Right. Rob also recounts seeing another girl pass by this particular group of men. They heckle her to flash her boobs, but she refuses. Another girl passes by, and she whips her boobs out really quickly, but she puts her top back on before anyone can get a picture, which makes them very angry. They grab her and rip her shirt open and take pictures of her. One of the guys even shoved his hands down her shorts. Ugh. 
Look, Desi, when I was researching this, I was getting pretty upset. <laughs> like, I mean, I know this stuff obviously goes on. Right. But just like writing all of this down and reading about all of this, and trust me, it's going to get a lot worse. Yeah. Just, I was getting angrier and angrier. Because these guys, I want to fucking kill them. Well, it reminds me of like, I guess it was like four years ago on Halloween, the last and final time I will ever go to West Hollywood on Halloween. I went there with a few of my friends and I got assaulted several times that night, including by a waiter at a restaurant. Uh like literally grabbing my tits in my costume, literally grabbing my ass, like with tons of people around. No one did anything. No one stopped it. No one said, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. Even when I said, hey, stop it, get off me, it was like a laugh. Yeah. One of the cops working the event wound up being suspended without pay because he himself was hounding women to take off their tops and pose for pictures with him. Jesus. In fact, a total of eight different policemen were reported for sexual harassment at the event. And not only that, Desi, after the festival ended, a cop in town, like, uh, was arrested for sexually assaulting a 15-year-old girl Ugh. who was a concert goer. Like, he he caught up to her. Jesus. And assaulted her. Yeah, pretty fucking disgusting. So no one, like, women were not being protected even by the massive security presence right. they had there. There was plenty of voluntary boob flashing at the Dave Matthews Band concert. At one point, Dave looked out into the crowd and said, today there is an abundance of titties. <laughs> Which is the last thing I want to hear come out of Dave Matthews' mouth. I am horrified. <laughs> like, it's getting worse and worse. <laughs> I would be, I would, Jesus Christ. I There's can't even an abundant crash in this crowd. <laughs> That's how he sounded. Yeah. Another person I completely skipped over. Dave no, Matthews. I was never into yeah. Dave Matthews' band. No, Look, no I had friends who were. That's I get it. But I was. he was not my guy. Mm-mm. It was not my thing. The official Woodstock website posted over 150 images of topless girls, a lot of them without their consent. In fact, most of them without their consent. I'm not picturing a lot of releases being signed. Yeah. (laughs) The pictures also had gross captions like nice pair and cute titties. This This is the official website being run. Isn't it crazy how much has changed in 20 years? Like, even though it still sucks, like, we have sort of improved. We've improved improved a little bit, but it is pretty horrific that that was not too long ago. No. Yeah. No. Gross. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. 
With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Now, on Friday night, During Kid Rock's set, he encouraged the crowd to throw their water bottles, and they did, and they ended up pelting him so bad with hundreds and hundreds of their water bottles that he had to go hide and seek shelter somewhere. Well, finally a bright spot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can't really feel bad for him when he requested it. He did. He was like, throw your water bottles. And they're like, okay, we'll throw our water bottles. And like, I've seen the pictures. The stage is just like blanketed. In yeah. empty water bottles. And by the way, these are the $4 and sometimes $8 bottles of water. They are those tiny bottles Jesus. of water. Like, okay. I, so I they're mean, not like massive $4 water bottles. Uh, no, they're what they're char- They're water bottles that should cost like a dollar. Right. And they're charging 4 to $8 for them at this Oof. festival. That same day, Insane Clown Posse incited a mini riot when they threw $100 bills into the crowd. I mean, how much money do they, did they even have at that time? That, that will go down in history for them as one of their dumbest moves. Because they're like, if only we had saved that money, now they're like living in trailers. <laughs> so Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine, right. very famous musician, he told Interview Magazine, we played a million festival shows, but something felt different and a little unsettled in the audience. And it may have had to do with the ascendant ascendancy of rap rock, the descendants of Rage Against the Machine. There was a vibe that did not echo the peace, love, and understanding of the original Woodstock, and that was very much in the air. Yeah. Now, on Friday night during Korn's set, David Schneider, who was working the event as a volunteer counselor, witnessed something particularly awful. This is a quote from him. At one point, I saw this girl, a very petite girl, maybe 100 pounds, who was body surfing above the crowd and either fell in or was pushed into a circle in the mosh pit. These gentlemen, probably in the 25 to 32 age range, looked as though they were holding her down. They were holding her arms, and you could see she was struggling. You try to judge the crowd right around them, and no one really seemed to be too concerned about it. I watched a little longer, and you clearly could see that one of the guys was pulling her pants down, and her top was left on. You could see he was violating her. Then it looked like he passed her off to his friend next to him, and it looked like a clear gang rape to me, where he was just passing her on to at least one other person. At some point, it appears she gave up struggling. And he's just observing this. I'm sorry. That was what I thought when I read that. I was like, uh, you didn't even step in. Men, this is, you have to step in. Like, Jesus. I know it's you against all these other men, but right. why aren't you grabbing other men and stepping in? What are you doing? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I just can't imagine observing this and not, and like, kind of like, oh, maybe, oh, I see he's passing her off. <laughs> like, at what point does your irrational, 
maybe like for your own safety, but like, right. you, don't you just have an instinct to help people? And I'm an asshole and I would probably have done something. Dude, I mean like, like I, okay, so, <clears throat> so I'm not a bitch for being mad at this guy too. I mean, I hate to be judgmental of people when they're fear in fear of their own lives, maybe. What but at the same girl? time, it's like, how do you watch that? I don't, right. I don't understand it. Or, or and you don't even know enough to not admit to admit to it. Like, at least be fucking so ashamed that you never confess <laughs> that you just watched it. Like, Jesus. I, I mean, I just like can't. It's I, horrible to hear. I was thinking about this particular woman all weekend and really upset. Thinking about this woman who, for the last 20 years of her life, has had to deal with the aftermath of this. Right. And And I mean, I'm sure, I don't want to speak for you, but it's like just being in positions in my life when I was younger or more vulnerable where I wanted people to help me and no one stood up. It's like, it's just very hard to hear. Yeah. It was hard to hear this story. This sadly was just one of the many rapes and assaults that would be reported at Woodstock 99. Now, the scary thing is that we're only going to talk about the ones that were reported. Right. Uh, It is a very large percentage of women, as we know, that do not end up reporting rapes and assault for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons we're not going to get into. It's scary that there were so many that even were reported. Imagine how many others that didn't get reported for whatever reason. This gave me a little bit of like, oh, thank God one of the men fucking was doing something. Uh, You know, the offspring, the band. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, Dexter Holland, who's the lead singer of the offspring, he actually took a stand on Friday night in the middle of their set. He stopped their set and he was like, Hey, uh, I can see from the stage, a lot of you guys groping women, and that needs to fucking stop right now. Good for him. And I was like, whoa, holy shit, Dexter. Right. I was really happy to hear that. Um, And then I also learned, this is not related to Woodstock, but I learned uh, a few days ago that Dexter actually went on to be to get a doctorate and become a molecular biologist. Oh. So I thought that was very, that's an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was how ha- I did watch that. Also, Flea stood up to the men oh, from the good. stage. Yeah, Flea of Red Hot Chili Peppers on Sunday night. He also admonished the men in the crowd and was like, hey, fucking cut it out. Good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like, I mean, that really is like, if you see something, say something, especially if you're in a position of authority, like you're in the band and you see right. it go down, like your voice is powerful. Right. And these idiots admire you. Right. So hopefully they'll listen to you above right. anyone else. Right. right? Like Limp Biscuit performed on Saturday. And at one point during their set, the moshing in the crowd appeared to be getting so violent that Fred Durst was interrupted by the promoters and pulled aside. Like they had to stop what they were doing. Right. And they were like, you need to tell the crowd to fucking calm down. Yeah. And like rein them in because things were getting out of control right. in the pit. So Fred Durst gave a little, hey, we don't want anyone to get hurt speech. He shrugged his shoulders while he said it. Yeah. But he still, he said it. And then he said, immediately after he said, we don't want anyone to get hurt, he followed that up by saying, but I don't think you should mellow out. This is 1999, motherfuckers. Stick those Birkenstops up your ass. What? (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. He also dissed Alanis Morissette during that little rant. He was like, you guys were mellow for Alanis. We're not going to be mellow for Alanis. Like, we're not Alanis Morissette. Fred then said, ever have one of those days when everything's fucked up and you just want to break stuff? No, because I'm not a psychopath. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, Limp Bizkit would then launch into their song, Break Stuff. Do you know the song, Break Stuff? No. Look, Desi. Uh, I rewatched the music video Break Stuff, which I hadn't watched probably since 1999. And um, there are a lot. I forgot how many celebrity cameos are in that video. Okay. It's like Jonathan Davis of Corn is in it, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Polly Shore is in it. It's like a who's who of 1999 yeah. celebs. Like, it was amazing. Uh, but this song, however, is just like your classic new metal limp biscuit song in that it's like i'm mad yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna break something i'm a white man (laughs) (laughs) i mean that music partially did not appeal to me because of the fan base and just the energy of the songs it's like grow the fuck up and like limp biscuit is actually from my hometown jacksonville yeah so it's like i know the vibe of that guy like i just know that guy and it's just like this, they're trying to prove something, and it's like you're just a fucking pussy. Well, everything was always like everything's happening to me. Yeah, it was like here's how you turn your your angst and your whatever into something not great. Like it's not right. about turning that into something like art or something using that anger to fuel right. something good. It's about acting out in a in a negative way. Right. And I don't like that energy like yeah do you know what i mean like and i grew up listening to like whatever punk and i had been in mosh pits for not that type of band but for no. more of the og yeah. kind of stuff and it was like yeah sometimes it would get a little too rough for me in a mosh pit but it was never to the point where i was scared for my life well like, i would i was obviously i was way more i was into punk rock as opposed to this stuff right. like you know and I would say that the spirit of punk rock is drastically different than the spirit yes. of new metal. And it's just as angsty and like whatever. Yeah, but mean, it's like there's not a – and I, I don't doubt that there have been punk shows that got out of hand. Of course. But it's usually like a singular event between peop, certain people. Like do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't a vibe through the whole show. It would be like two assholes would get into a fist fight in the mosh pit or something. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? It wasn't the whole vibe of the concert. Yeah. I don't know. I think also it's just like a lot more – punk is like so much more – it's like a political thing. It's not about right. like I'm it's an not angry white out. man. Yeah. Yeah. They go into break stuff, which – Literally, um, the the song opens up, for those of you who don't know, as it goes, it's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up. Everything, everybody sucks. Everything is fucked. Like, <laughs> look, that's how it goes. Look, I mean, I have those feelings, <laughs> but I don't break stuff. <laughs> so that's like the vibe of this song. Ugh, okay? I'm, I'm just so irritated with all the people who found that meaningful. <laughs> Sorry. I can't deal with them. And seemingly on cue, the crowd began to do just that. They started breaking stuff. Now, I am the last person to blame uh, music or media on people's bad behavior. I think that's a garbage excuse. Right. But, you know, we're talking about, I wouldn't say it's Limp Bizkit's music did this to people. It's maybe more the people his music attracts already had that in them absolutely we don't they could have been listening to faith hill and maybe done that we don't know <laughs> uh, but it is Look, i'm just saying it's ironic or it's funny 
It's not funny. It appealed to a certain type of person for a reason. Who might have done that already. Absolutely. Right. Now, people in the crowd literally started ripping apart structures at the concert, including the plywood peace wall. (laughs) They're like, get this fucking wall down. How dare they? (laughs) That was my last straw. (laughs) (laughs) Then people in the crowd... Uh, took those pieces of plywood from the wall and used them as boards to surf the crowd with. (laughs) I'm just, I hate these people so much, Rachel. I can't. (laughs) Just wait. Fred Durst saw the boards being used to crowd surf and he goes, that looks cool. Let me get on one of those. So he got on one of the pieces of plywood Mm. and he surfed the crowd for a little bit. Then the crowd ripped apart the tower that the MTV news crew was on and began pelting all the newscasters <laughs> with garbage. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because poor Kurt Loder, who is like he 50 years this. old, yeah. even then, yeah. at this point, he's, is, he's always been 50. <laughs> he has always been 50. Okay. Even like when he was like just started out at the yeah. station, like he's always, he was always like the way ma- more mature he was and dad. serious dad vibe energy. He going broke on. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. I like, love Kurt Loder. I love Kurt Loader. He's awesome. I looked him up on Wikipedia. He's 74 fucking years old. He is? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I know. But he's still 50. He's He's still 50 forever. He's cute. Yeah, he's still cute. cute. I think he's probably still cute. He's got a hot dad energy. He definitely has hot dad energy. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, tell me about music. (laughs) (laughs) Bore me with your Neil Young stories, daddy. (laughs) Tell me about the Beastie Boys at the Free Tibet concert, Kurt. (laughs) Did you know Adam Yock? (laughs) Okay, so uh, Kurt Loder was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, basically. Poor guy. He must have been in misery the whole time. Later in the episode, I'm going to give you some quotes from Kurt Loder. I'm excited. Yeah. The destruction of property was certainly not the only crime that was happening during Limp Bizkit's set. A 24-year-old woman from Pittsburgh reported that she had been raped in the mosh pit during the concert. Jesus. She had been crowd surfing when she was pulled into the pit and attacked. According to the police report, the woman was assaulted with fingers as well as a foreign object before being pulled down to the ground and raped. The woman said that she feared fighting back because the, because she didn't want to get beaten up by the men. Mm. And that like, yeah, my fucking heart sunk when I read that. Like, I mean, I, Look, I can't even imagine how scary that would be. Like, even just falling down in a mosh pit yeah. is scary. Like, yeah, yeah, and I've been there. Yeah, I've fallen of down course. in a like, mosh it's pit. It's like the worst feelings just to be like trampled on. Like, right. Yeah, and I've totally gotten my ass kicked in the pit before. Yeah. But like, then on top just of it, to be a, that would be so scary. Oh my god. Three other assaults were reported that night taking place at the festival's campgrounds. A 32-year-old woman from Ohio reported being raped, as did a 20-year-old woman from New York, and a 20-year-old Virginian woman reported that three men raped her that night at the campground. Now, some of the reports I read, like quotes from concert goers in the papers from 1999, were pretty horrific. People would just report like, oh, I would hear screaming in the night, and it was not pleasurable screams. Right. It was like screams in horror. John Schur, the festival's promoter, had this to say, which pissed me off, by the way, forewarning. There was an awful lot of good at there was an awful lot of good this weekend. What about the one hundred and ninety-nine, nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand kids? That came by and had a great weekend. They didn't get raped. No one talks about that. He literally said that. He (laughs) He did? Yeah, he said everyone is ignoring them. (laughs) 
It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, John Sure. Yes, we usually don't pay attention to the people who are fine. Right. <laughs> like, sorry. You, oh, okay. Well, I guess it makes up for it then that... What a weird defense. It's just, I mean, I know he felt like his back was up against the wall, but that is like the worst thing to say in that situation. You need to be horrified by horrific things. It's literally my baseline for yeah. a human being. <laughs> like He was all mad. He's like, ooh, we're getting all this bad press. I'm like, yeah, because a lot of bad shit happened right. at your festival. Right. And you guys... You're responsible. Sorry. Like, you're not responsible for people committing crimes, but you didn't create a safe environment for 200,000 fucking people to be in. Where like, even the fucking you have cops some you obligation had there, there right. to, like, make it safe. So, in fact, both him and his partner, co-creator Michael Lang, doubted that anyone could have actually been raped in such a public, crowded place. First I mean, of all, fuck you. Yeah. Like... That is so outrageous. Like, yeah. I can't believe you had that thought and then said it to a newspaper. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Paul Wertheimer, a man who is the head of an organization called Crowd Management Studies, which provides safety guidelines for concert promoters, said this on July 29th, 1999 to the Washington Post. What would not be allowed on public streets is allowed at concerts, Wertheimer said. I've seen the trauma that results from when women are attacked and stripped of their clothing. I've watched security guards stand by and watch without doing anything to stop it. And I've had debates with security people who want to blame the women. They think that if a woman goes into the mosh pit and body surfs, that they are somehow inviting that kind of thing. Well, classic. Yeah. That it's the woman's fault. Right. Or they were showing their boobs. They didn't want to be grabbed. Yeah. So... On Sunday night, the final two acts of the festival were Megadeth performing on the West Stage and the Red Hot Chili Peppers performing on the East Stage. Now, an anti-gun organization called PAX handed out candles and urged the concert goers to light the candles during the Chili Peppers song, Under the Bridge. <laughs> Sorry. Now, they, look, <laughs> you already know where this is going. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the corny idea. Look, like, it is very corny, but they handed out thousands and thousands of yeah. flammable objects to concert goers. Who have already shown us that they cannot be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> like, this wasn't night one. Right. This was after two nights of, like, this is the bad final stuff. Night. Yeah. <laughs> now... All hell broke loose when the Red Hot Chili Peppers began playing a cover of Jimi Hendrix's Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, not this song. (laughs) Under the bridge. (laughs) It's mellow. Not fire. I mean, it seems obvious. Fire. But no. (laughs) Like, you didn't even request the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Don't play fire tonight. Right. Because people have candles. (laughs) Trust us. They're dumb. (laughs) They're going to do some shit. Trust us. I, I just picture like the head of that organization, the minute fire started going, oh, shit. <laughs> no. It's like in slow motion. Right. Oh. He's trying to stop the band. Like, stop, stop it. it. By this point, Woodstock 99 is literally going down in flames. Anthony Kiedis looked out into the crowd and said, holy shit, it looks like apocalypse now. <laughs> At least eight different very large fires were burning throughout the festival grounds. Concert goers began knocking over ATMs and looting vendors. Oh. So by the time everything starts burning, concert goers are basically just like, you know what, fuck it. We're looting this entire festival. We are breaking into the ATMs and we're knocking over water towers. 
Propane tanks were exploding and a thick cloud of smoke filled the air. Concert goers were flipping cars over and lighting the vendor trucks on fire. A trailer near the east stage was covered in ash handprints. In ash was written, burn Rome. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, look. That's pretty pretty dramatic. It's pretty, well, look, it was held in Rome, New York. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was like some ancient Italian, like burn Rome. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just saying it's like they were like, oh, this is genius. Yeah. It's like they loved it. Rome. The ashy handprints is creepy. Yeah, that is creepy. Yeah. Graffiti on what was left of the peace wall read, no water. And greed kills was written on an overturned light tower. The whole place was a mess. Like, yeah. whoever looked at that, was who was like in charge of cleanup, was probably like, oh, fuck I my life. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking quit. I would not show up to work that day. Gil Kaufman, an, MTV's, an MTV news reporter, had this to say. Evidence of the widespread looting could be seen in the thousands of scorched and waterlogged soft pretzels and plastic bags that lay underneath the van. Look, there is something so tragic to me about waterlogged soft pretzels. Right. Because you probably see them and you're like, mmm. And then you're like, no. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The vehicle's tires were melted away. The bare steel belting draped over the metal rims. Now, the smoke was so thick that it could be seen in the town. And yeah. things, like the chaos could be seen from the town so much that the Denny's, like the local Denny's, closed its doors for the first time ever. Wow. Yeah. Around midnight, 500 police in riot gear arrived on the scene. The police used pepper spray and billy clubs to control the crowd. According to several witnesses, the cops beat people up seemingly at random and without provocation. The chaos was finally contained at around 3 a.m. Several of the festival goers wound up being arrested for disorderly conduct. In the aftermath of the festival, many of the media outlets pointed the finger at one band, and that was Limp Bizkit. Oh. And they were like, you guys started it. And I remember this when this was all going down. Like, I actually remember where I was I watching the news footage of Woodstock uh-huh. burning. I was uh, at my grandma's house on Long Beach Island in Jersey. Yeah. And watching the footage, because I re- I wanted to go to Woodstock 99. Yeah. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, I'm, guess, guess I'm glad I didn't go. <laughs> like, I could have, I mean, like, I'm sure if I asked my mom hard enough, she would have gotten me up there. Like, because right. I was on the East Coast already. Yeah. Like, I could have, whatever. Finagled it. Yeah, my mom was always very supportive of me going to music shows. Like, she took, she, it was so cute. She used to drop me off at all the punk shows, like, yeah. in San Francisco. It was very nice of her. Um but I remember watching this footage on MTV and like fucking Serena Alchel's like, and we're here in the wreckage of <laughs> Woodstock 99. And I remember just being like, holy shit. Oh my God. <clears throat> and then I remember the aftermath and it was all about Limp Bizkit did this, Limp Bizkit did this, the new metal music of today. Like right. it's this, blah, 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 blah. like they were doing that whole thing. But Limp Bizkit was really getting the brunt of it. And this is what Kurt Loder had to say about it. There was a hateful, hostile feeling coming off of the crowd in waves. Kids were throwing bottles at each other and security guards and stagehands. It was just ugly and out of control, and Fred Durst just exploited that and jacked it up. Wavy Gravy, of all people, had something to say. Oh, God. (laughs) You know Wavy Gravy. Uh, yeah. Okay, look. (laughs) We both had hippie parents, so we know who Wavy Gravy is. I know someone who fucked Wavy Gravy. Oh, my God. And it's literally haunted me my whole life. (laughs) So Wavy Gravy said this to Interview Magazine in 2019. I love that they got him. He's still alive. (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said this. I was really pissed off at Limp Biscuit, who was really encouraged. It's just funny to hear it's him say funny, Limp yeah. Biscuit. I was really pissed off at Limp Biscuit, who was really encouraging the audience to destroy shit. I've only just recently forgiven Fred Durst for that outburst. <laughs> Can you imagine having a beef with wavy gravy? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, of all the beefs. Damn. Now, Fred Durst had this to say a few months later in 1999. They needed someone to point the finger at. They needed a scapegoat. They're not going to put it on the dumbass who handed out the candles to everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, look, he made a point. Yeah, I mean, look, the candles were weren't the only problem. Though. Yes, there I was. Mean, I would say, okay, we'll talk about that after. Mm-hmm. They're not going to put it on the dumbass who handed out the candles to everyone and said, "Let's just capture a moment." <laughs> I bet everyone's going to light them and hold them up. After these living conditions and everything that happened, are they going to do that or are they going to burn it down? They're going to burn it down. Then afterwards, everyone ripped us apart for two weeks straight, he says. It was everywhere. And I would just be like, shut the fuck up. I mean, look, I don't blame Limp Biscuit for this. I don't think that they helped. But I don't blame them for this. And no. I think he made a lot of good points in that little blurb. I'm not going to go here defending Fred Durst. He has some good points, but he also took no responsibility. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For his part. Um, yeah, for his for whatever his part was. Or right. even and he just, clearly had a part in some of it. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that. Th- I think that. This- I don't think it's his fault, but I'm just saying he had some interesting points, but I feel like he still should be like, look, I feel bad for my part in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, he's he, not an innocent victim here either. He actually did come around like way later, like. I don't think that this was any one particular person's or band's fault, obviously. I think that this was a perfect storm of a lot of really uh, shitty conditions, such as uh, the stronghold that the vendors and, and the promoters had on the kids who were attending the concert, like they were not providing uh, adequate water and they were like, all the food and water cost a ton of money. Yeah. There wasn't, uh, like, the sleeping arrangements were bad. Like, right. everything was, like, all this, like, the whole structure. Whenever of there it. is a horrible crowd situation, there's always multiple perfect yes. storm things that happen. I happen to like this topic of horrible crowd stories, like the Who concert, right. Altamont, the Hillsborough soccer game. There's always a million fucking things that have gone wrong when right. there's a horrible situation that involves a, a crowd. big crowd. Right. Yeah. It's or never, an event. Like Right. It's it's rarely just one person. But fault. it does it does ultimately, I think, stem from poor planning. Uh, yes. From the event planners. Yes, I agree. A few months after Woodstock, Limp Biscuit released the video for their song Rearranged. And I remember this video very well. In the video, they basically, it was like them going to trial for their crimes and then them going to jail and they got the death penalty. And it was like, oh my God, we're so persecuted, Limp Biscuit, because yeah. everyone blames us for Woodstock 99. I just remember that at the time. Like, Oh, I kind of feel bad. Like at the time, I was like, "Oh, I feel bad for Limp Bizkit. Everyone's hating on them because they think they incited this riot." And I rewatched the video this weekend, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like if a band did this today, it would not fly, and people would not let them get away with it." Right. This like poor me video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it, that was just like kind of an interesting. We were angry young men, and now we're the victims. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so 
like it just kind of reminded me like oh that shit would not fly today that's like such a funny time capsule right that like they just got away with yeah doing this feel star- we're the victims in this situation yeah. video whatever i have vague memories of this happening but i was so not interested in you that were a grown-ass woman already i was not like listening to that music I would have never gone to that concert. Like, I definitely remember hearing the stories because I was in New York at the time, obviously. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. What a horrible situation. That is literally my fucking nightmare to be trapped in a scene like that. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. And once you were in, you could, there were no, you couldn't come back out, come right. back in. Yeah. Like, you it's just like, yeah. <sighs> like, Damn. even I was reading, like, in the town of Rome, all the motel rooms were booked. Because there happened to be some like other event going on in the town that uh-huh. weekend too. So like I'm talk about poor planning. Yeah. Like I mean, like everything about this was planned poorly. Yeah. And like, yeah, there were I watched some sets and I know people like I'm sure there was plenty of people who did have a good time yeah. the first couple days or whatever. And I'm sure that plenty of the bands had a fine time and it was yeah. amazing that all these kids were watching them and Whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying the whole thing was all completely bad, but this is Hollywood crime scene, and we're talking about crimes. Yeah, so <laughs> we're talking about the so bad. Don't at me and be like, I had a fucking amazing time. At You're Woodstock. just focusing on the rapes and the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time. Yeah, I mean, if you went to Woodstock '99, please write us in, yeah, and I would, I would like, like to, to hear your. Stories. I'd love to hear your story about that. Cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, I did not know. Yeah. But uh, if you want to send us stories. You can at um, HollywoodCrimeScene at gmail.com. Send us any celebrity stories. If you have questions for us, we'll talk about them on our mini-sode episode that drops on Friday. Yeah. You can join our Facebook group, Hollywood Crime Scene Friends, and talk about cases and other crimes and other celebrity blah 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 and just other fun things. And then Instagram. Yep. You can follow us there I'll be as posting well. a lot of pictures yeah. this week. Uh, if you want to leave us five stars five stars on iTunes. That's really great. And that helps us a lot. So go click on over there right now. If you're listening on iTunes, just scroll to the bottom of our episode list. It's kind of hard to find, I think, but we will really appreciate it. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.